Welcome back to Glass Ceilings, the podcast where we shatter barriers and build resilience. I'm your host, Chrissy, and today's episode is all about finding strength and vulnerability. The first thing we're going to talk about is vulnerability. So in this segment, we're going to explore the concept of vulnerability, its role in personal growth and resilience. We're going to draw from research from Dr. Brene Brown, Dr. Kristen Neff, and we'll discuss how embracing vulnerability can lead to greater authenticity and connection with others. Personal anecdotes and insights from listeners will highlight the power of vulnerability in overcoming workplace challenges. Vulnerability, often viewed as a weakness in our society, is, in fact, a cornerstone of resilience and personal growth. Research by Dr. Brene Brown, a leading expert on vulnerability and shame, reveals that embracing vulnerability is essential for building meaningful connections and fostering resilience in the face of adversity. By allowing ourselves to be seen authentically, flaws and all, we create opportunities for genuine connection with others, paving the way for deeper relationships and greater emotional well-being. However, embracing vulnerability can be daunting, especially in environments where strength is equated with stoicism and invulnerability. In the workplace, the pressure to appear competent and composed may discourage individuals from expressing vulnerability or seeking support when needed. Yet, there are studies by Dr. Kristen Neff which highlight the importance of self-compassion in embracing vulnerability and navigating challenging situations with resilience. By practicing self-compassion, individuals can cultivate a sense of inner strength and acceptance, empowering them to face workplace challenges with authenticity and grace. In today's fast-paced and competitive work environments, vulnerability is often overlooked or dismissed as a liability. However, as we'll explore in this segment, vulnerability is not a weakness to be avoided, but a strength to be embraced. Through personal stories and expert insights, we'll uncover the transformative power of vulnerability in its role in building resilience and fostering authentic connections in the workplace and beyond. Join us as we embark on a journey of self-discovery and empowerment, learning to embrace vulnerability as a pathway to greater resilience and well-being. Referring back to Dr. Brene Brown. Also, I am a huge Brene Brown fan. I have read all of her books and If you don't know her, she's a leading expert on vulnerability and shame. And she reveals that embracing vulnerability is essential for building meaningful connections and fostering resilience in the face of adversity. She has books such as The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly, which emphasize the transformative power of vulnerability in cultivating courage, compassion, and connection. By allowing ourselves to be seen authentically. So, Brene Brown has this video online and she talks about a marble jar and it is a metaphorical marble jar where she talks about building trust with others. And she refers to this marble jar as every time someone is there for you, someone helps you, someone listens to you, they get a marble in the jar. And I often tell friends as a joke that, oh, this one earned you a marble. But that is really how I look at building trust in any In any place, in the workplace, in a relationship, uh, you are going to slowly put marbles into a jar and it's going to be a slow process of building and building trust. Trust is earned, in my opinion. It is not necessarily given as a default. And that is okay if you believe differently. But I would encourage you to go watch that marble video that Brene Brown talks about. So, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, we talk about vulnerability. And I think it's hard to kind of equate or understand if you're not able to actually 
make a relatable story. So I will go ahead and tell my story. I had worked in an incredibly toxic job. I was the vice president of marketing for a $200 million company. And I left. I worked there for 11 months and I left. I only lasted 11 months and I talked about it on TikTok and that TikTok got 2.8 million views. And I talked about it on another TikTok and that TikTok, 1 million views. And the thing is that I kept quiet about that treatment that I went through because I felt too much shame about it. It was a story that I was struggling, feeling powerful about. When you walk away from your first vice president job, after being harassed, bullied, yelled at, cussed at, it's easy to turn that thought around and wonder what I did wrong and how I could have done better. But after more than two years away from that job, I realized that I did nothing wrong. And I mean that in a sense that I did nothing to deserve the level of harassment and the treatment that I was given. I don't mean that in a way that I did nothing wrong and I'm incredibly perfect. No, but I do have space for myself in the sense that I have space for myself to mess up, but I should not have been treated the way that I did. When I look back at that situation after two years away from it, I actually realized that I think I handled it in an incredibly powerful way. And I handled it the best that I could have handled it in that situation at that time. It doesn't change that when I talk about my story on TikTok and I talk about my story in any sense, the ping of sadness that I get when I read the negative comments. The comments that tell me everything that that negative voice in my head has already said to me, that I'm weak, that I wasn't cut out to be VP, that women shouldn't be in that position anyways. I've been told a plethora of things. And the reality is that vulnerability takes courage. It takes courage to not continue and perpetuate the way that you were treated in this world. And the reason I continue to tell my story is for every comment that I get from people who were in my similar situation and told me that my story resonates with them, that they watch my TikToks and they tell me that they feel seen and they feel heard because no one talks about the toxicity of corporate America. No one talks about the trauma that can happen after working in a toxic place. No one talks about how your body reacts and responds to being yelled at and cussed at and living in a fight or flight situation when your literal job is typing on a laptop. That is mind-blowing to me. So what do we actually do? Being vulnerable is scary. What do we do? So the next thing I want to talk about is actually the power of storytelling. I know I've talked about storytelling in my past three podcasts, so just hear me out on my goal for storytelling. Storytelling has been recognized as a powerful tool for healing and connection. We'll delve into the science behind storytelling and its therapeutic benefits. Citing research from Dr. Dan McAdams and Dr. James Pennebaker. Storytelling has been a functional part of human connection for centuries, serving as a means to share experiences, convey emotions, and create connections. Dr. Dr. Dan McAdams, a leading researcher in narrative psychology, explores the role of storytelling in shaping identity and fostering personal growth. His studies emphasize how individuals construct narratives of their lives, integrating past experiences, beliefs, and values into cohesive and meaningful stories. Through storytelling, individuals make sense of their experiences, find purpose and meaning in adversity, find purpose and meaning in adversity, and create a sense of continuity and coherence in their lives. I relate storytelling a lot to analogies. 
So when I talk to business owners, I most of the time will create an analogy. So when I talk about auditing a business or going into a business and becoming a growth strategist or a fractional CMO, my first step is to audit the business. I am never going to walk into a business and tell them what to do if I don't actually know what they have been doing. And for me personally, I understand that through reading the data, exporting the data, and the data will tell a story. But a lot of times I say in a business, we have two issues. We have acquisition and we have retention. And most of the time, we're going to figure out which one is the hot button or what we're working on. A lot of times we could be solving for acquisition, but we are acquiring the customers over and over again, and they are just completely leaving. Because the analogy is that business is like a boat with a bunch of holes in it. And I think that the power of storytelling is the fact that it is it can be relatable to more people when you are able to break down something and build an analogy out of it. Moreover, research by Dr. James Pennebaker, a pioneer in the field of expressive writing, highlights the therapeutic benefit of writing about emotional experiences. Dr. Pennebaker's studies demonstrate how expressive writing can improve physical and psychological well-being, enhance emotional regulation, and promote healing from trauma. By putting thoughts and feelings into words, individuals gain insight into their experiences, process difficult emotions, and develop a sense of mastery and control over their lives. The act of storytelling, whether through writing, speaking, or artistic expression, provides a cathartic outlet for emotional expression and promotes psychological growth and resilience. I think when we often think about an outlet, we think about an actionable thing, right? We compare it to going to the gym. We compare it to a rage room. We compare it to, or maybe I do, I should say I. I compare it to going to the gym. I compare it to going to a rage room. I compare it to getting the feelings out of my body. I am not a very creative person in the sense of my go-to thing is not jumping into drawing or poetry or things like that. So my go-to way of expressing or getting feelings out of my body is working out. I do jujitsu. I do boxing. I do Muay Thai. I love to work out. That is my go-to way of getting those feelings out of your body. But one of the things I am working on is trying to express that in a less physical manner, which would be creative writing or storytelling. By exploring the science behind storytelling and hearing firsthand accounts of its transformative power, listeners can gain insight into the therapeutic benefits of sharing their own stories. Through the act of storytelling, individuals can find healing connection and empowerment, fostering resilience and well-being in the face of diversity. Another aspect of storytelling that I want to compare is group therapy. And there's a lot of psychologists out there that are not a fan of group therapy. Group therapy is something that I did study in grad school. I have a master's degree in psychology. It is research-based versus clinical-based, so I don't necessarily work directly with clients. But group therapy can be such a transformative way to understand that other people are going through the same thing that you are going through. And in a psychological sense, I look at almost group therapy as TikTok, right? So TikTok, you can find your people. You're, it's so searchable. This is based on Adobe. Two out of five people are now using TikTok as their main search engine. So if you're able to search and find exactly what you need, in order to hear the validation that what you're going through, you are not the only person going through that, 
I think that is incredibly transformative. I personally share my story through TikTok mainly. And my channel is 100% focused around healing from toxic work and work trauma. And for me, sharing my story has actually been incredibly healing. It has been incredibly healing to get the validation from people that are commenting, that are saying they've been through this, they resonate with my story, and that that what I've said and how I've talked about it has, has helped them. And I think the biggest conflict with actually starting to share your story is the fear of sharing your story online is actually, I think, comes from a fear of what others will think about us. There is courage in sharing your story. There is courage in posting a TikTok. There is courage in sharing your story, knowing that people are going to have a lot of hate. The amount of negative comments that I get, it's probably 30% of the total comments. But I mean, there's days when I feel incredibly sensitive to them. There's days when someone says, you're right, you're not cut out for corporate America and you're not cut out to be a VP. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. You know, man, this random user on the internet, user 8725344 is right. And then I realized that TikTok, TikTok is showing 1% of my life, right? You are not in my client meetings. You are not with me on an everyday sense. You are seeing the 1% that I choose to show you. Therefore, I'm not going to take everyone's opinion and hold it close to my heart. I have built up the level of resilience and almost like this armor to external perspective or, or point of views of me. And that is how I knew I was ready to go share my story on TikTok is because someone's negative comment just makes me laugh. There was an entire TikTok channel created and the TikTok channel was T-W-A-T-C-B. You can read that. I don't want to say it. And I'm assuming the CB was for my initials. And it's my hypothesis is that it is my old coworker. That is very much hell-bent on loving that toxic company I worked for. And she loves to spend her time just bullying me on the internet. And that is completely okay if that is how she wants to spend her time. Because I just think it's really funny that you were not smart enough to create a different username, except for the one that had my initials in it. But hey, that is an example of what it takes when you are being vulnerable and sharing your story. People are going to hate on you. And that's completely okay. So let's move on to self-compassion. Cultivating self-compassion. Self-compassion is essential for navigating difficult experiences with resilience and grace. Practical exercises, guided meditation, and forms of journaling will empower listeners to embrace self-compassion as a tool for healing and self-care. So what is self-compassion? Self-compassion is the practice of treating oneself with kindness, understanding, and acceptance in the face of adversity. It is a cornerstone of resilience and well-being. I kind of compare self-compassion to when you're talking to a friend. The way that we talk to ourselves is never how we would talk to a friend. So my best friend, I love her with my whole heart. She called me yesterday and she said, I had a panic attack. And I said, okay, what happened? She said, you know, I was getting the kids ready. I was already late. They hadn't eaten food. I felt like a bad mom. We were clocking for the weekend and everything just got so overwhelmed. And I realized that I felt so alone. And I realized that no one was coming to save me or help me. And I said, wow, that sounds incredibly scary to feel that. And she said, yeah, I felt angry with myself for feeling that way. And I thought, 
why would anyone want to be with me if I'm not able to get my kids to a baseball game in time? And I said, that's so interesting because I hear your story and I look at you and I think, wow, it must feel really heavy to, to handle everything on your own. It must feel really brave to go into the world and choose to continue to fight, you know, even after you feel so beaten down by the day. I look at you and I think, wow, what a strong, brave, capable female you are. And never do I think anything negative on the level of weakness because I, as someone that loves you unconditionally, is going to approach that from a place of self-compassion. And you are going to approach that when you're talking about yourself from a place of not enough, anger, disappointment. And so I challenge you, if self-compassion just feels like a really icky thing, I challenge you to think about how you would talk to your best friend and really try to use that as your internal dialogue. In grad school, they taught us this thing where you have that negative voice in your head and to name him. And so mine's named Jeff. Um, and sometimes Jeff gets a little crazy and I have to tell him, I say, Jeff, buddy, we're going to sit down today because I actually don't need your input here. And what that helps by kind of naming that voice is creating that separation from self. So I am not my negative thoughts. I have negative thoughts, but I am not my negative thoughts. I am not anxious. I am feeling anxious. And that is okay because feelings come and go. I am not bad. I might be feeling bad. And so anyways, I would love to know what you guys name your negative voice. Jeff is also available. I like to call him Hef sometimes, you know. So circling back here. So there is three core components of self-compassion. There's self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. So by recognizing our shared humanity, acknowledging our flaws and imperfections, and approaching ourselves with warmth and understanding, we can cultivate a sense of inner strength and resilience. Drawing from the compassionate mind theory, which was developed by Dr. Paul Gilbert, self-compassion is a key driver of emotional regulation, well-being, and mental health. Dr. Gilbert's research highlights the role of self-compassion in soothing the threat system, promoting feelings of safety and security, and fostering emotional balance and resilience through practical exercises such as self-compassion, meditations, and compassionate self-talk, individuals can cultivate a compassionate inner voice, challenge self-critical thoughts, and nurture a deep sense of self-worth and self-acceptance. We will continue to explore strategies for cultivating self-compassion in daily life. Guided by evidence-based techniques and mindfulness practices, listeners will learn how to respond to difficult emotions with kindness and compassion, embrace imperfection and vulnerability, and cultivate a greater sense of emotional resilience and well-being. From self-compassion journaling exercises to loving kindness meditations, stay with me on that. Listeners will be empowered to integrate self-compassion into their daily routine and navigate life's, and navigate life's challenges with greater ease and grace. So what are some practical exercises that listeners can do to cultivate self-compassion? Self-compassion journaling. I don't know how that feels for you, but that sounds really icky to me. So what does that actually look like? Setting aside time each day to write in a journal dedicated to self-compassion. Reflect on moments of struggle or difficulty you face during the day. And write down compassionate and understanding responses to yourself. Acknowledge your emotions without judgment and offer yourself words of comfort and encouragement. If the thought of writing down kind thoughts about yourself feels uncomfortable, I do challenge you to do that. 
But I think that self-confidence does come from inside and starts with us. And I know that for this toxic workplace specifically, at this point in my life, I would never have even joined the company, regardless of the title and the salary and the location. But this was three years ago. And I did not have the level of self-confidence that I do now. I know without a doubt what my boundaries are in the workplace. I'll never accept someone to yell at me, to cuss at me, to scream at me, to stand over me, to throw things at me, to harass me, to bully me. I would not allow any of that behavior. And maybe I had to go through that in order to create those learnings. But I do think it has helped that I have turned into a place of self-compassion and understand how to feel compassionate about my experiences and what I've been through. Loving kindness meditation. Practice loving kindness meditation to cultivate feelings of kindness and compassion towards yourself and others. Find a quiet space, sit comfortably, and close your eyes. Begin by directing loving kindness towards yourself, silently repeating phrases such as, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may I live with ease. Then extend these wishes to others, starting with loved ones and gradually expanding to include all beings. A great example of this is when I get cut off while driving. So a lot of people get incredibly triggered while driving. When I get cut off, um, I like to yell good things. Like I'll just be like, oh, I hope you have a good day. And I don't know, it like makes me laugh, but it's, I really want to be able to, not to bring Taylor into this, T-Swift, but I really want to be able to shake it off. I do not want to take that experience and hold it. I want to be able to shake it off. And so an example of my moment of love, loving kindness meditation is when someone does something wrong to me and I just say under my breath something really great like oh, i hope you have a good day could i mean it ironically i don't know in the moment i'm just trying to like change up the energy there and so the third thing is self-compassion breaks so taking short breaks throughout the day to practice self-compassion when you notice yourself experiencing difficult emotions or self-critical thoughts pause for a moment and place your hand on your heart offer yourself words of kindness and reassurance such as it's okay to struggle I'm doing the best I can, or may I be gentle with myself in this moment? I put my hand on my stomach a lot and I count my breathing. I do box breathing, which is like four seconds out, four second hold, four second in, four second hold. I try really hard to keep myself into a parasympathetic state, which would be like rest and relax. And sympathetic state would be like fight or flight, a bear chasing you. A lot of times we get stuck in a sympathetic state from traffic or emails or our superiors or whatever stress. And I try really hard to keep myself into a parasympathetic state, which is a state of relaxation. So when I notice myself, I'm like a big teeth grinder. So when I notice myself grinding my teeth um, or getting really irritated and short, I take a second and I deep, I take deep belly breaths to bring myself back to a state of homeostasis. The last thing is to write yourself a self-compassion letter. I've actually done this before. Why? You can also look at it as journaling. Writing yourself a letter and it depends on the type of person you are, but for me, I was really, really hard on myself. I was incredibly critical of my actions. And what I did was I actually wrote myself a letter. I wrote my past self a letter and I gave myself the space, the grace and forgiveness for not being perfect in that situation. 
And it just helped me heal. It just helped me be able to move past what I went through in that workplace and be able to heal from it and accept that it's okay that it didn't work out. It's not okay how they treated me, but it's okay that it didn't work out. So these practical exercises can help listeners cultivate self-compassion in their daily lives, fostering emotional resilience, well-being, and self-care. By incorporating these techniques into their routine, listeners can respond to difficult emotions with kindness, compassion, embrace imperfection and vulnerability, and cultivate a greater sense of self-worth and self-acceptance. By embracing self-compassion as a fundamental aspect of self-care and resilience, listeners will discover the transformative power of treating themselves with kindness and compassion. As we delve into the practice of self-compassion, I invite listeners to cultivate a deep sense of self-awareness, self-acceptance, and self-love, empowering them to navigate life's challenges with greater resilience and grace. As we wrap up today's episode, remember that vulnerability is not a sign of weakness, but rather a source of strength and resilience. By embracing vulnerability, sharing our stories, and cultivating self-compassion, we can navigate workplace challenges with grace and resilience. Join us next time for more empowering conversations and insight on Glass Ceilings podcast. If you feel inclined, I would love for you to follow me on Work Trauma Podcast on TikTok and or share your story of what you went through in your workplace and potentially how you were overcoming that. Thank you again to the listeners who are listening. And I really appreciate if you would leave a review if you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you.